Hello and welcome back to Building Conversations, the podcast where we talk about all things architecture from past favourite projects and current industry news to the future of the global built environment. I'm Alison Carter and next to me here is my co-host Nav. Hi. We're also joined by Hannah who will be featuring in a few episodes. Hello. So we're coming up to August now, which means it's officially been three years since I last went on a holiday. So for this episode, we thought we would discuss what we love and hate about airports and what architects and designers can do to make them more enjoyable and what we want most from our hotels and resorts. So let's get going. Okay, the day has finally come, the holiday's all booked, you've got your suitcase all packed, but before the holiday really begins, you have to endure the airport. Now, I don't know about you two, but I find airports really stressful. I really like being super organised, making sure I'm on time for everything. I'll follow every sign and arrow to get through check-in, security, duty-free, to the gate, on the plane, so there's no chance of me missing this holiday. Mm-hmm. But it still just really stresses me out. I don't know why. I'm like a super control freak and airports are the most stressful thing for me. And the last thing you want when you're going on holiday is to feel stressed because it's meant to be like a really nice relaxing time where you're kind of winding down. Mm -hmm. So besides telling me to relax more, what do you think can be done to make airports more relaxing? I think airports by nature are going to be stressful. (laughs) There's so much... (laughs) There's so much that you need to get done and think about. So many things need to kind of come together at the right time. So I don't think they're ever going to be that fun. But, I mean, queuing is always the worst part of an airport, I think. Oh, but we're Brits. We love to queue. (laughs) Well, I don't. But that, I mean, that's quite a difficult thing to sort of design your way out of, I guess. You need more desks, but then you need more staff members So maybe it's not something that an architect could really sort out. I think maybe the entertainment available could be better. Mm. There's always just a few places to eat or drink. Maybe there's some activities, golf simulation, football games. Oh, that would be quite good. Because then at least if your flight is delayed or anything, you have something to do other than just sitting down waiting, thinking about the fact that your holiday might be ruined. And also when you're forced to sleep at the airport, if the flight's cancelled or something... There's never anywhere to go that's dark. It's always yeah, it's completely very clinical bright. lighting, isn't it? There's no like squishy chairs because they're mm. all just that hard metal or plastic. So yeah, some kind but of I space don't to think sleep. When they're designing airports, they're naturally designing them to be dormitories. <laughs> no, but I think there's a hope that they think it's a sort of a thoroughfare approach. If you can get those seats where you can lift up the armrests so that someone can lie down across them because that's the thing is that oh yes but do you want to be the one that takes four seats I couldn't sleep like that I mean I think the problem is even getting to the airport before you even start and I think one of the things I think is really important is great transport to and from airports also on the hottest day 
potentially ever in the UK, we are looking at 40 degrees possibly, air conditioning has got to be an mm. uber critical element. Of, I always of find airports. airports quite cold anyway. Mm. I think because they're cavernous spaces, you're mm. you're not generally too hot in an airport. No. I suppose if you're packed with people because things have gone wrong, then that could be quite gross. But it's always confusing. Like, how do you dress when you go into an airport? Do you dress for the climate that you're currently in or for the country that you're about to go into? <laughs> I think comfort. Yeah. So I'm just always in leggings. Yeah. And it's funny because one good thing about airports is that it's great for people watching. You can just watch oh God, people yes. from all over the world going about their business. And some people get so dressed up for the airport. They do, don't They're they? They're in heels. I know. I don't understand it. I'll take shoes that I know I don't have to like, because obviously the seats on an airplane, like they're not wide enough and you haven't got enough leg room to be able to bend over and like unlace your shoes and take them yeah. off you need to be wearing shoes that you can literally just kick off at your heel oh i don't take my shoes off in a public space now <laughs> <laughs> well i'm wearing socks <laughs> i'm not walking around it's just so i can then like sit with my feet crossed on on the seat instead because i'm more comfortable than sitting you know just with my legs down yeah 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 depends Makes how long sense. the flight is i guess oh hannah's judging me i can <laughs> see it in her face <laughs> So the part of airports that I dislike the most is the seats. They're always those really hard metal seats. Mm -hmm. And I just think, you know, you've sat on a, a bus or a train or whatever to get to the airport. You have to then get through everything and then waiting for your gate number and stuff. You're then sitting on those really hard seats. Once you're through there, you're on your flight. You've got a lot more sitting yeah, to do. you're on your flight and then you're in a really uncomfortable airline seat because you haven't got enough legroom and stuff. Maybe something can be done to make airport seating more comfortable because you're just constantly going from uncomfortable seat to uncomfortable seat to uncomfortable seat. And if you know people are going to be sitting on them, just make them a bit enjoyable. Yeah. My pet peeve is when you are walking to your gate and they don't tell you how many minutes the walk is to that yeah. gate and suddenly it's a half an hour walk and you thought it was going to take five minutes. Yeah. And then the stress of that is is horrendous. So a good wayfinding element mm. to add would be how long it takes for you to get there. Yeah, because you need there. to kind of consider people's mobility as well like how able yeah. are people to walk half an hour to get to a gate do they need assistance do you half need chairs hour? along which airports are you going to well some of them do take ages maybe not half an I hour i don't think half an hour is 15 minutes right. <laughs> <laughs> one of the airport projects that i think did really well in doing something different was a chinese airport terminal project and it is river inspired and the whole airport is designed to educate the passengers on the space that you've just landed in so it goes through the space's history it talks about the culture mm. and the elements inside depict the skyline that you're about to see oh that's quite cool so it's meant to kind of educate tourists but also remind locals of home that when yeah. they land home it's really familiar. Oh, that's sweet. So one of the airports I used to use an awful lot was Kai Tak in Hong Kong, which was an experience. Let's put it that way. It was built in 1925 and closed in 1998. But it was actually built very much within the city environment. It used to take me six minutes to get there in a cab. 
and you just landed between washing lines. It was quite an incredible experience. It was one of the hardest landings in the world. And you had to, I think you had six seconds between spotting the checkerboard and then banking in. Oh my goodness. I had some horrific landings in there, including one with an engine on fire. Oh gosh. But it was not a normal airport because you would land and you would immediately smell Hong Kong, the mm. heat, the humidity. And it was just fantastic. But it was also one of the most polluted areas in the world when they shut the airport. And they had huge problems then rehabilitating that area, but they've just rehabilitated it. And they're putting in wonderful buildings around it now. Oh, that's such an interesting story. They've actually understood that there is a huge flow of people coming through that area. So the metro station has been designed to accommodate that intense traffic but it's been done in a way that also has embedded roof gardens spacious retail atriums within it and it's just a really good rehabilitation of an ex-airport So we've survived the departure airport, landed, got our bags, we've been on the shuttle bus or the taxi or whatever you use to get to your hotel. What does that hotel look like for you? What is your dream hotel and resort? I like a hotel that has a history. Okay. I find many of the new sort of square hotels are very similar, aren't they? You, mm-hmm. You're not necessarily in a different country, you're within a hotel. But there have been some amazing places that we've covered that are adaptive reuse. And one was really popular with our readers, which was the Bodmin Jail Hotel. Oh, yeah. Which is in Cornwall. Cornwall. Yeah. It's now four stories with 70 rooms. And each of the luxury room has been transformed from three prison cells. And what they've done is they've kept the original features as much as they can, even barred windows. <laughs> it, and that's stone an interesting and mix of like, you know, torturey yeah. kind of <laughs> But it sounds really pleasantness cool. mixed with luxury. That's an interesting balance to strike. And they've worked so hard to do this because they've even got original prison doors from Wandsworth Jail that have been salvaged and refurbished and are being used. Wow. So that in itself is an experience, isn't it? And I bet there's some ghosts wandering around in there. Oh, gosh, don't. I wouldn't stay there if I knew that. (laughs) I think the Bodmin Jail Shore is definitely one that immerses you in what the building used to be. Like, you've still got the barred windows, you've got the original doors and stuff. You would really feel like you were doing like a jail experience sort of thing Mm. I think that is definitely one that's really cool and I would happily stay there just for the experience of staying somewhere that used to be a jail yeah what else apart from barred windows would you (laughs) like in a hotel now now barred windows are not a must for me surprisingly so I'm very particular about hotels a proper bed not two twins pushed together yeah that is a big peeve of mine I like a balcony If I can have one or at least like a door that I can go and be outside and not just, you know, you're in your room, you've got a couple of windows. I think what's important about a balcony, though, is that you've got a decent view. Otherwise, you're 
Yeah, I like a view where I can sort of sit outside with a coffee, watch the sunrise, Mm -hmm. a proper shower. I don't like that wet room style shower where the whole bathroom ends up getting really wet. Mm -hmm. And high pressure from the shower. I don't like those like rainfall showers. It needs to literally blast for me to feel like I am properly clean. And a gym as well, because I... A gym on holiday. <laughs> oh, no. no. Yes. a gym on holiday. I like a gym because then, like, at least if you know you're eating not like you normally would... It's a holiday nap. I know, but I... So when I'm on holiday, I will just fully eat anything I want to. When I went to Spain in 2017, I was eating churros and Nutella every morning for breakfast. Yeah, it was great. But I wish the hotel had a gym because even if you just do half an hour, you're kind of able to keep to a routine. And then when you come back from holiday, it's not like, oh, God, now I have to go to the gym. It's like, oh, no, I I kind of kept up with it. So now I don't mind going there because it's not like a definitive holiday is over back to the gym. It's kind of like, you know, you've kind of mixed it and you've kept a bit of that routine. I don't think that's a bad thing to want. I think lots of gyms. I think it's like going swimming, isn't it? Like It's it's a form of exercise. I just on holiday would not put myself through anything that I would find unpleasant and for me going to the gym (laughs) is securely in that sphere so no it's not happening although I do like I I would get in the pool and do some laps because I enjoy that that's that wouldn't feel like I was kind of having to make up for what I'd eaten I'd just do that anyway I think I'd just like to walk around the hotel and and see the area (laughs) rather than be in a gym. Yeah. But each to their own. Yeah. I think that's one thing we've learned from these podcasts. (laughs) We are all completely different. But also close proximity to the rest of civilization. Sometimes when you get to a hotel and you realise, oh my gosh, the only way I'm getting out of this hotel is from a taxi. It's like, I want to be able to walk to the closest town and, you know, pop to the shops if I need things. You know, if you run out of sunscreen and need to buy some, you don't have to pay the extortionate price that the hotel is probably going to charge you, but you're a 10 to 20 minute walk away from town so you can pop into a shop and get something there. And being close to restaurants that the locals will go to as well because they know where the best food is. Mm. I mean, Mm. you've gone on holiday to... It's not to go to the hotel, it's to go to the place where the hotel is. So it needs to be close to the actual town. Yeah, exactly. But I think, you see, some people go on holiday to go and live in a hotel and have a rest. Mm. I think there's two types of holiday, isn't there? There's one where it's just sort of a stopping point. Yeah. rest and then then you go off and out and see everything yeah I guess that's the difference between your hotel and your resort yeah resorts have so much in them that you don't have to leave you, you wouldn't really need to go which yeah. oh, but I, I would do still want bizarre. to go yeah I would still want to leave I wouldn't want to think oh I've come to this country and I am just going to stay in this one building yeah we've done that before on a family holiday we went to Turkey mm. but we were in a hotel resort and I don't think we ever left so I have absolutely no idea where we were. <laughs> you don't know what Turkey is it like. It <laughs> could have been any country. You could have yeah. told me I was in Greece or yeah, Germany. Exactly. Like it honestly made no difference because yeah. we and didn't you, leave. You're in this other country. Go and explore it. You know, you yeah. can find a Get swimming pool and a spa and all of that stuff anywhere. The annoying thing is me and my partner are completely different holidayers. I like going off and doing all of the adventure sort of, you know, if there's a beach near, I will want to hire a jet ski. Yeah. If there's 
you know, a really cool mountain or like a hill or something, I will want to climb it. Whereas she was just like, no, I want to lie by the pool, read a book, listen to some music. I'm just like, no, <laughs> we're here, let's do stuff. Do you sometimes leave? So uh. <laughs> <laughs> We compromise. Yeah, fine. <laughs> so what can architects and designers do to make the perfect hotel? The perfect hotel. I think easy signage. So you know where you're going mm. and you don't get lost. Signage for what? Around the hotel? Yes. So, you know, where the pool is and where oh, the yeah. restaurant is and a, f- a ceiling fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I actually don't like ceiling fans. Well, I always get really paranoid that they're going to fall. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I just think oh, it's nice and cool. <laughs> I think while I'm sleeping, this is going to fall on me. <laughs> Severed. I like a hotel experience, like sleeping in a tree house mm. or something like that. When I was in Sri Lanka, we had this one night where we basically slept in a rock mm-hmm. and everyone was in basically their own kind of coffin. Like <laughs> it was coffin shaped. Oh, no. It was like, okay, it's like it's like Lord of the Rings, like a kind of hobbit oh, yeah. door thing. So you open the door and there's space for your bed a fan mm-hmm. and then a little bit down the side of your bed to shove your bag and stuff and that's it oh gosh and you just close the door at night and you sleep we were really excited to do it mm. but actually it was so hot oh, it yeah. was and it was really noisy where we were mm. and obviously you're completely alone so you can't talk to each other about how yeah. noisy and hot you are so <laughs> You just have to suffer in it on your own. Yeah, and oh, I think there was a lamp, but mine didn't work. So I couldn't read or anything. Mm -hmm. So really, I am just lying there, not really like able to move around much. And that's why you felt like it was a coffin. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, the... The ceiling above you is you can touch it with your arm. Like, oh gosh. So you, would, you wouldn't be able to do it if you were claustrophobic. Yeah, it's like those capsule hotels in Japan, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I've seen those. But, yeah, we woke up the next morning and we were just like, that wasn't that wasn't good. That no. was not fun. That was not the hotel experience that we were hoping for. Before COVID, I was going to go, what are they, like those group holiday things where you like yeah. travel around a country together. We were going to do Thailand and Cambodia. One of the night stays was in like a treehouse hotel mm. sort of thing. And like, I was so ready to do it. And I was reading all of the reviews and everyone was like, yeah, it's so cool. It's so amazing. And then I saw one review that said there was a humongous tarantula in their room. And I was like, you know what? It's not worth it. I can't do it. (laughs) Oh, no. It would have been absolutely fine, wouldn't it? It would have been. And the chances are I wouldn't have seen a spider in my room. But knowing someone else had a spider in their room was enough for me to be like, nope, (laughs) not interested. It's just reminded me, I did actually kind of do a bit of a treehouse, like hostel in Mm. Sri Lanka. And I had this really nice swimming costume that I wore like every day on holiday. Really nice. And I woke up and it had been all ripped up by a monkey. (laughs) (gasps) Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) It was torn in half. And you slept through it. And I didn't, yeah, I had no idea. Just woke up and it was, it was like somehow out of my case as well. (laughs) Well, out of my, my big rucksack. So yeah, that was sad as well. So there you go. Animals do impact. Well, there we go. Everything you would like to see in a resort and... And the spiders you don't. (laughs) Join us next week for World Build, where we will be talking to Jamie Miller, 
Director of Biomimicry at B Plus H Architects, about using nature to inspire sustainable and resilient designs. See ya. Thanks, bye.